I'm Amy Jo Martin. Welcome to the Why Not Now show. You know that thing you've been thinking about doing? Yeah, that one. Why not now? Have you ever actually taken the time to ask yourself, what's stopping me? Let's talk it through. This is your chance to give that idea the attention it deserves and take action. Each episode, I have a chat with a fascinating person from entrepreneurs to athletes, celebrities, my parents, rocket scientists, and all walks of life. We talk through a critical time when they've asked themselves, why not now? We dissect that day or even that moment, step by step. Quick episode today of snackable sound bites from three of my favorite renegades. Who happen to be women? First, we have Ariana Huffington, the founder of Huffington Post and Thrive Global. We also have Dr. Jen Welter, who is the first female coach in the NFL, and Sophia Amoruso, who is the founder of Nasty Gal and Girl Boss. You are in for a treat. This episode was inspired by a question I've often been asked, and that is as a female, how do you do it? How did you become a founder, a CEO, a best-selling author? Well, I've never really understood that question. And quite frankly, I'm not a fan of the question. My response is usually, what do you mean as a female? How did I do it? I've never felt any different than non-females. And you don't hear men asked how they did it as a man. (laughs) The other day I was thinking about this question, and I think I might have figured it out. I was able to do it, I'm using air quotes here, you can't see me, but just trust that I am, because I'm a renegade. I credit most of my accomplishments to my renegade factor, and when I look around and witness people who have accomplished things that I admire, I see renegades. Not men or women, just renegades. It's a mentality of getting comfortable with being uncomfortable a mentality of knowing anytime that you innovate, adversity will follow you. It's a mentality, not a gender. Here are three of my favorite renegades. First up, we have Ariana Huffington. Ariana and I discuss some of the headlines that have been swirling around Silicon Valley lately about company culture and even harassment. Ariana is on the board of Uber. And we also then go on to discuss how she keeps her mind healthy and when she knew that it was time for her to move on from the Huffington Post. Here she is. You've recently said that the work culture in Silicon Valley needs to change. What do you mean by that and how do you think it it can change? Um, I think it can change when we realize that the macho notion that to be a successful entrepreneur you have to burn out, you have to be always on, um, is recognized as being unscientific. Uh, Silicon Valley claims to be data-driven. Well, this is not data-driven. 
this is delusional. This is like believing that smoking is cool and glamorous, as we believed up to the 60s when you had doctors advertising cigarettes in white coats. So once uh, people really recognize the delusion of that, the next step is to create boundaries to our relationship with technology because it's very hard to practice um, living a life where recharging and um, purpose and meaning and all that makes life worth living is, is part of how we spend our time. It's very hard to do all that if we, be, if we allow our addiction to technology to dominate our lives. And given that Silicon Valley is, is the heart of technology, I assume that that is um, kind of where it starts. That macho notion that you've talked about, um, you see a, a correlation between that and technology? Well, I think the macho notion means um, celebrating being always on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, very quickly responding to texts and messages and um, being constantly plugged into notifications. And we know that that is not a very productive and creative way to live because our productivity and our, product and our creativity require connecting with a deeper part of ourselves and not being constantly distracted and interrupted. Makes sense. And, and and switching gears once again, in 2005, when you launched Huffington Post, you had the progressive vision of building a platform to, to really empower and encourage citizen journalism. And we fast forward. We're in the middle of another media paradigm shift. What do you consider progressive thinking to be right now in this current media and, and journalism well, climate. Right now, the most important thing, actually, something which um, was very important um, at the Huffington Post from the beginning, and this is not to see the world in right-left terms. That's a very obsolete way to look at the world. A lot of the major problems of our time, like growing inequalities, are seen as big um, societal problems by people on the right and on the left because they are both critical to having a compassionate society and critical to stability, to stability that conservatives care about. So I think when we move beyond this way of uh, looking at everything as right or left, we'll be much more likely to come up with solutions. And how do you keep your mind healthy? Ariana? Well, for me, it's um, my rituals of meditation, sleep, dealing with the obnoxious roommate in my head that is the <laughs> voice we all have that doubts and judges us. And it's, um, it's uh, the recognition that I'm a work in progress. And that one phrase that I love is recognizing that the issue is not the issue, but how I deal with the issue. So every day gives me opportunities to see how I deal with obstacles and challenges and whatever issues life throws my way. And and when we look at the the future, you've just launched Thrive Global and you clearly have the why not now mindset. Is there anything that's rolling around in the back of your mind that you're thinking why not now? And maybe that's personal, maybe it's professional. 
could be anything. Well, actually, my last big why not now was why not leave the Huffington Post, which I love like a third child, and launch a new company, Thrive Global, to help change the way we work and live, both through our work um, with corporations and our work with um, media, through our media platform, through our trainings with corporations, uh, through our e-commerce. That was a big why not now. <laughs> and uh, uh, it was a very hard decision to make, but something which um, I feel uh, so grateful to myself that I took a deep breath and jumped because I have loved building this company and uh, having an impact in the way we, we work and live. And did it come down to a moment where I'm sure it's been brewing and, and you've been considering this for a long time and Thrive is definitely in the in the progression line of where you've been headed. But was there a moment where you knew where something happened and, and it was an indicator of, yep, this is the time to make this change and leave Huffington Post and start something new? I think it was the fact that when, as I was re, um, raising the Series A for Thrive Global, and at first I thought I could do it with 20% of my time and run the Huffington Post with 80% of my time, I realized that that's not really what, I, what was going to work, that I had to be involved in Thrive um, 100% if it was going to work. And so it was a decision that I couldn't, I couldn't divide myself. I had to pick. That's such great advice. It's, I think, something that we all do, and we try to bucket our time into these percentages of certain things. And sometimes the reality is much different than what we would like for those percentages to be. So that, that focus, um, very, very important. Next, we have Dr. Jen Welter. She was the first female coach in the NFL, and how she got the job is incredible. She pulled a pure renegade move, and she didn't ask for any permission, that's for sure. So here's Jen talking about her story of when she ended up getting the job to go work with the Arizona Cardinals. If we fast forward to the next Why Not Now that you mentioned, when you get this opportunity to go to the Arizona Cardinals. What did that moment look like? What did that day look like? Did the Bidwells call you up? How did you find out? And what were you doing? You know, that is the man that is Bruce Arians. Um, this was this was me and him. And he said that publicly. And, and obviously he got the um, amazing support from the Bidwells and Steve Kime and everybody in the Cardinals organization. But... Um, you know, it started when Sarah Thomas was hired as the first um, full-time female ref. And Sarah and I have laughed many times. We're like, man, our destinies are tied to the end of time, which is great. But when she was announced, somebody asked Bruce in a press conference if he could ever see a woman coaching in the NFL. And the beauty of Bruce Arians is he pulls no punches. You know, he'll always tell you what the truth is. And Bruce said, absolutely. You know, the second a woman can make guys better, she'll be hired. And I was actually coaching an arena at that time. And so I had the conversation with my head coach and, you know, Devin Wyman, he said, you know, Jen, he's like, we should call Bruce. And I looked at him like he was crazy because, you know, I had never even spoken to a coach in the NFL and you want me to call one of the 
32 most brilliant minds in football and say, hey, you should hire me. And he just kind of said, could you get his number? And I thought, well, I don't know. And so I went home and I thought about it. And I guess the why not now would have been then because I picked up the phone and I called the Arizona Cardinals on behalf of myself as if I wasn't myself. Um, That day I was not Devin's assistant coach. I was his assistant. And I worked my way to Bruce's assistant, at which time I told him, you know, uh, that Devin had heard that Bruce said, you know, a female coach in the NFL. And he wanted Bruce to know that he had a female coaching on his staff. And Wesley, you know, took the message and he said, I think Bruce would really want to do, you know, talk to you. But we're getting ready for the draft right now. And, you know, time's a little tight. I'll have him call you back. I thought I had gotten blown off, but I was really proud of myself that I was even, you know, gutsy enough to call. So let's pause real quick right there because, and and just dissect this for a moment. So you call the Cardinals as um, the assistant (laughs) to your boss, not the assistant coach, but the assistant, and speak on your behalf, but you're not yourself. So that is awesome. And to be commended and why not, right? <laughs> you know, I even asked Wes because he, you know, he's fantastic and um, really has been a, a solid advocate. And even after I'm not there anymore, he's he's been a great friend. And I asked him one time, I said, Wes, did you know it was me that day? And he said, no, I didn't. I was like, oh, okay, you know, I thought you maybe <laughs> saw through it. And I said, when did you figure it out? And he just laughed and he's like, I'm not sure, but, you know, I, I was going to let you slide and I just started <laughs> laughing. But in your, in, in the level of risk here, what was the worst thing that could have happened? I mean, it, it really was pretty brilliant, well set up move because if there were, were some sort of fallout, it may not even be tracked back to you, <laughs> but it could kind of, uh, you know, just be uh, considered and, and dismissed. But that's so cool to know that you fought for yourself. You were first encouraged by probably he, I'm going to call Wes a mentor. Maybe he wasn't, but I'm guessing he was some sort of, of huge champion. And I mean, Devin was, yeah. I mean, Wes just, you know, Wes facilitated it and, and he was great that day, but Devin definitely encouraged me too. And then, you know, Amy, two weeks later, I walk into practice and, and Devin is larger than life. Now that's saying a lot since he's a six foot eight, former NFL player. So this is not a basketball six foot eight. This is a D line six foot eight. And yet that day he was elated. And he said, you know, you will never guess who I talked to yesterday for about an hour. And I just looked at him. I had no idea, you know, it'd been a couple of weeks. And he said, Bruce Arians, (laughs) and he wanted to know about this girl. And, you know, from there, Bruce invited me to go out to, to go to the Cardinals facility and to meet him at a practice. And, you know, we just hit it off. He's, he's such a lovely man. Like he really is. He's just, he, he makes you feel like you've known him your whole life, even after talking with him for, for two minutes, because he's so open and honest. And, you know, I felt like, man, I would have loved to play for this guy. I would have run through a wall for this guy, you know? And at the end of the day, he basically said, you know, there was a coach at Heinz Junior College when he was coaching who was one of the best receivers coaches he had ever been around, and her name was Dot Murphy. 
And he said the fact that it's no better for women in coaching now, that has to change. And he said, I think that the Cardinals are the right organization. We have a great diverse coaching staff. We have a great organization and we have good men on this team. They've all been handpicked because of the high character guys that they are. And I, I think that this is the right situation and you're definitely the right woman. He said, but if we do this, it's going to cause quite a ruckus. But if you're willing to step into the chaos with me, I want you to know that we could do something great. And he said, I don't know yet if I can make this happen. I have to get a lot of yeses and a lot of people on board, but I want you to trust me and I want you to know it's in my heart to try. So there was, there was nobody but Bruce. I didn't, I didn't bang down doors of every team in the NFL. Um, I just, I trusted him and it was on the strength of his character and the support of everybody in his organization that this happened. And that's why, you know, if nothing else, I personally think that he's one of the best champions that anybody could ever ask for. And I do want to talk a little bit more about mentors and, and male mentors. Um, but first, just kind of circling back and and looking at the situation, a view from 30,000 feet. So first of all, because Bruce mentioned that he would be supportive of a female coach in that press conference or whatever that interview was, and and that was heard once and then shared with you, and you really were never invited to go and do this. You you drove your own way uh, by making that phone call and encouraged, definitely. But I think that that's just a huge takeaway here is that this wasn't a, hey, we're looking for a female coach or, hey, we're, we're recruiting you. It was you putting yourself in that line of, of opportunity. And, and that's huge. And the whole why not me is critical, I guess, in, in thinking about that question that you asked yourself. Um, also, the back out factor, mentioning, you know, sometimes we, and, and granted, this was back with your example with the Texas Revolution, but to not give ourselves that back out factor. I know sometimes I intentionally <laughs> stop myself from even having that option by by kind of um, cornering <laughs> myself into moving forward by, you know, telling someone or being accountable, even knowing when, you know, if I if I do this, then if I block myself from going backwards, then I have to go forward. But um, and Amy Jo, we all have those moments of weakness and those moments of insecurity. And I think that too often we don't address that. You know, people would say, oh, my gosh, she's fearless. She played against men and this, that and the other. Well, that's not true at all. Just because one area of my life I didn't live, you know, without fear, it doesn't mean that in every area of life, you know, you feel superhuman. And I would encourage anybody who's listening this to realize that being human is, is something that we all are. We all have our own areas of strength and we all have our own areas of weakness. The best thing that we can do is, is be willing to bet on ourselves at certain points and to surround ourselves with people who see the greatest potential in us and want to help us, not the people who would break us down or live in fear or tell you 
what's not possible, but those who would help you find what is, you know, and it's, it's human to, to have that back out factor. Mm -hmm. We all do it in certain areas. So please, like to anybody who's listening, don't think that you're alone in that. My dad used to say that true bravery was seeing danger and proceeding anyways. It's not not seeing danger, you know? Mm-hmm. It's not thinking that there's no there's no possibility that you'll fail. But, you know, just like when I tried out for my first football team, everything throughout my life had showed me that I wouldn't make it. Right? I was too small for tennis. I was too small for rugby. You don't look like a football player. You're not this. You're not that. Everything I couldn't, shouldn't, and wouldn't do, those things would have led me to not try out for that team. But mm-hmm. imagine now how rare that looks when people see the career I ended up having in football. And so I would hope that anybody would take that and and put that into their own spirit just because you've failed a million times doesn't mean a million and one can't be different. Sophia Amoruso is up next. You may have seen her on Netflix. The Girl Boss TV show, original series on Netflix, is about Sophia. Literally, that show is about her life and how she got started in business. Sophia is unapologetically true to herself, and we talk about several things that she advises people to do in order to make their way through the business world. One of my number one questions that I wanted to ask you was women in confidence, uh, funding for women entrepreneurs, the the world of VCs and kind of the skew. Obviously, not as many women are receiving funding and those mm-hmm. stats are all out there and we've all heard them. What are your thoughts? It's something I've really struggled with this question because having gone through that investment process and, and receiving funding myself in the past, I didn't I didn't really experience a negative uh, experience. It was it, yeah. it wasn't difficult. However, the stats are obviously showing that that things aren't equal, of course, and um, it's there aren't even a lot of women VCs. So, what is your thought on kind of the process? What women can do? Are you treated any differently? That whole question. Yeah, I haven't felt like I was treated any differently. I mean, I think the best thing we can equip ourselves with is proof of success on some level that we can speak to and, you know, know more than the people around you. That's a really hard thing to do. And, you know, do I know more than my venture capitalist? No. Did I buy a book called, you know, how to be smarter than your venture capitalist? Yes. So, you know, I, I, I learned about what I was talking about before I had those conversations. And I think that's really important to be, you know, to be a real partner at the table. Um, in terms of women specifically, I mean, I think it's just you show up, you show up and you keep showing up and you don't ask for permission. And, you know, that's where people, you know, start to open doors and, or or where you open doors for yourself. Mm -hmm. No one's going to do it for you. No one's going to do anything for you. Um, it's, it's really a matter of, you know, waking up and knowing that you don't belong there and feeling like an imposter and choosing to do it anyway until, you're no longer a stranger and you're, you know, someone who's seen as a respected peer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and it's cool to see people just actually doing th- something about it too, versus just talking about it. The whole girl boss movement is 
clearly uh, action being taken and the conversation gets old and it's so fatiguing after a while that sure it's important to to discuss and have meaningful conversations but um i never really know how to answer that question when people say well how did you do it as a female and i'm like how did i do what i've never really felt any different yet there's clearly an imbalance so yeah, there's a big gap. And, you know, I, I you know, I, I think I'm lucky and you're probably lucky not to have experienced a lot of the adversity that, you know, women experience. It's unfair to to dismiss it. It's, you know, when that's not your experience. Um, and, you know, I haven't worked in a corporate environment. I there's a lot of things I mean, I have with Nasty Gal, but um, there's a lot of things that I haven't experienced just as a result of being a, a founder. And so, you know, I think it's important to be educated on it. I really think that things change when people are inspired and girl boss and I really try to stay in that space and having a conversation just about what we can do every day mm-hmm. to make our lives better and to, to accomplish the things that we set out to do and to get to know ourselves better and mm-hmm. uh, be honest with ourselves about what we're good at and what we're not good at and celebrate our small wins um, there's a whole world out there that can get into the nitty gritty of politics and, uh, and, and, and that's something that sure I have my own opinions about, but I, I really, you know, want to stay out of dogma. It's not a comfortable place for me. And I think, um, you know, just inspiring people to be their best selves is, is, is really a much more enjoyable place to be exactly why I started the show, too, is to really kind of ask ourselves, why not now make the change, take the action, do whatever it is personally, professionally to to um, more action. And, and sometimes a little less talk is is helpful, but dissecting what it takes. We are now wrapping up our 48th episode of the Why Not Now show. And thank you so much for being along for the ride. If you've been here with me from the beginning, I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're seeing some progress. And I just, I'm so grateful. We are going to take a couple of weeks off here as our summer break. And we'll be back strong though. We have a huge show when we return. We have Dan Reynolds from the Imagine Dragons on the show. And I don't know if you know anything about his story, but it's it's pretty wild. And you look at now, he's one of the top rock stars in the world, yet so humble, definitely a professional wine otter. So I look forward to sharing that with you in the interim. Please share any feedback you have with me. We're always trying to improve the show. Feel free to go back if you missed an episode and catch up. And we'll see you in a few weeks. I want to hear what your why not now is. Please share it with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Amy Jo Martin. I'll send a signed copy of my New York Times bestselling book, Renegades Write the Rules, to the first 200 people who listen, rate, and leave an honest review of the podcast in iTunes. Once you've left a rating and review on iTunes, just email your iTunes handle name and your mailing address to whynotnow at amyjomartin.com and we'll get your package in the mail to you. For detailed show notes, head to amyjomartin.com forward slash why not now. That's where you'll find links to things we discussed on the show, special offers, and how you can keep in touch with guests. 
Hat tip to my buddies Ash and Devin at Rock Salt Music for our tunes today. You just listened to the talented John Coggins in Let's Go and Let It Ride. And a jump high five to my talented husband, Richard Gruer for producing the show and being patient with me. See you next time. Until then, why not now?